In this episode, meet Malwin Powerhouses, Akila Haley and Regent Agloria. They are both artists, alumni, and on the Malwin leadership team. Regent is a board member, multidisciplinary artist, and educator. He founded North Branch Projects, an organization that builds connections through the book arts. Akila is the executive director at Malwin, member of the City of Chicago's Cultural Advisory Council, and an advocate for youth development, racial justice, and philanthropy. In this episode, learn the journey of how they went from being young artists at Malwin to members of the board. Sit back and enjoy as they share highlights from their many experiences at Malwin. Welcome, Regin and Akila. I'm so excited to have you both here to talk about your experiences at Malwin and really your journey because you both have such a path to Malwin. I'm really interested to hear more about it. How are y'all doing? Great. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, doing well. Really excited to be in conversation with both of you. Yes, I am just so honored to have you both here because I feel like you really know Malwin, like you have been there from the beginning, really as young artists taking classes at Malwin, all the way to a leadership position at Malwin. Um, So you've seen the gamut, you've seen every kind of experience you can have at Malwin. So we'd love to talk more about the beginning. So first off, how did you guys hear about Malwin? How did you get started um, taking classes there? Uh, Sure. Uh, So I found out about Marwin through, it was my freshman year in high school at Whitney Young, uh, my art teacher, uh, Mr. Bruner. Mr. Bruner, I think, saw that I was interested in knowing more about offerings at the school and thought I would be interested and told me about it. And I took one class and kind of fell in love from there. And it, ironically, one of my friends uh, that I met and made during my freshman year, I was taking classes at Marwin as well. And she found out about it from one of her elementary school teachers. And so we just so happened to live nearby one another. So we took the train and bus and walked and did all of the things to trek our way to Marwan. And ironically, uh, when I was coming to Marwan as a student, that was when I actually met Regin. Regin was working at the front desk at Marwan. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. Yes. yes. And Regin this was, was in the old building, right? <laughs> yeah, it was in the old building over on Huron. Yeah, I recall that pretty distinctly. <laughs> Um, And interestingly enough, and we talked about this in the past, but for those of you who are hearing from the two of us the first time, uh, Akila was actually in my first class that I ever taught, a bookbinding class back in 1998. (laughs) But my history goes much further than that. When I was a sophomore at Lane Tech, I was introduced to Marwin through my art teacher, Dismas Rhoda, who was, you know, one of the the cool art teachers I used to kind of hang out in the in his classroom, you know, during my lunch period, because I hated hanging out in the cafeteria <laughs> with all the cool kids, you know, because I didn't feel, I don't know, accepted there. <laughs> so I tried to be in, in the immersion of art as much as possible, I think. But he introduced me to Marwin through a, what they used to call college and career workshops, I think it was at that time. This was 1989. That's how far back it goes, back into the 80s. And I didn't really know what I was getting into, but 
I took one of those classes and then, or those workshops, and then ultimately enrolled in a Saturday morning class. And back in the day, there was only one, if you could believe that, only one Marwin offering on Saturdays. And I would sort of sign up for everything that they offered subsequently, you know, that once that initial foray into the Marwin world entered my life. So yeah, it was a, an architecture class uh, with Marge Kelly teaching, who to this day, I still regard as one of my personal mentors and, you know, have worked with when I was a staff person and still stay in touch every now and then she's, I think, living in Florida, but, but it was, it's been an amazing ride, you know, just, just initially being introduced to this, this class that I was always interested in art. And I was always, I always felt like I was pretty good at drawing. So it was just sort of a natural inclination. When I came to Marwin, it was, it sort of just opened up the feasibility of, of actually pursuing that as a career, you know, and, and really taking it seriously and, and investing in, in the time and effort and energy and, and making work for the rest of my life. I love how interconnected your stories are. That is amazing. And just to hear that you were there in the 80s and really from the start <laughs> of Malin. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't the original student. I was like in the second crop of students. But, um, and so that, that's what's really a wonderful, beautiful thing that I, I, I feel like I've been fortunate enough to, to see, you know, people like my former students now running the show. <laughs> I know. And, and just that history, the trajectory of yours, Akila, I, I, I'm just so blown away by the commitment that students have to the, the organization and the, I don't know, just the attachment that they have because it is a, a, a second family to many students and to, to many teaching arts, to the pretty much everyone in the community that comes across it. Um, and I think that that's, it's, it's fairly unique. Wouldn't you say Akila? Like, I don't know what exactly yeah. makes that up, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that there has always been this communal, familial sense of community, even when Marwan was smaller and we see it mm -hmm. in different ways as it exists uh, today. And it was, you know, very similar for me, this sense of, I knew that, I was interested in the arts and I had experiences in the arts but when I stepped into Marwin it was kind of this way in which my view was expanded of like what was possible I remember I think Dan Barber may have been my first teacher mm -hmm. it was like a oil painting class and you know just the fact that we both remember Mm -hmm. like who our first teachers were um and and the medium you know that in and of itself speaks to the impression uh, that it's made and and I think that there's something about you know just art making and artistic practice where we're always reflective too and when you start to see a lot of those through lines for me at least like as I navigated life you know after I graduated from high school I didn't immediately see a lot of those lines, but as I experienced more in life, those dots became like very poignant. They were like huge circles. They weren't like little dots <laughs> being connected. They were like these yeah. enormous circles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, you know, when you talk about the the first impression, that's something that to this day I think Marwin does very well. And and still resonates with me, you know, the walking into this space. And even though Marwin was a smaller gallery space back in the day, it actually wasn't, well, I guess it was a former gallery, but um, it was, you know, just a smaller office space that uh, was completely covered. You know, all the walls were covered in artwork, student artwork, 
And there was a very keen sense of uh, attention and respect to the work of students that I recall from their very first day. I was like, wow, look at all of this amazing work. Like high school students did this. And, and I remember thinking like, what kind of place would just be covered in artwork? Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. they really value the work that the students are doing, the, you know, the, the skills and, and whatever level they were. And, and, and I had no idea who these students were. Um, I just knew that they were, you know, my peer group and, and that was special. And then I got to know them because it was such a small, <laughs> you know, it was a, one group of, of maybe like 15 students that used to just kind of take classes over and over again. And so I, and I still remember their names, you know, it's just like, I remember the little signatures that they had in the corner, lower right-hand side of their pastel drawings. And I was like, oh, he's the guy that, that drew that, or she's the one who, who, you know, made that sculpture. And like, I, I'm in a class with them. Oh my gosh, these, these kids are really talented. <laughs> so uh, I just remember fe- always feeling like I had to not keep up with the Joneses as they say, but, but that I knew, I knew that I was in a, a supportive place where anything that I was interested in, the, the skills that I was interested in honing and developing were going to be advocated for and supported by the community. And, and, and that to this day, I still feel like that's the strongest suit that Marwin provides their students. Now, did you guys know after leaving Marwin that this was the path you wanted to go on? Did you want it to go on an artistic career path or did it take some time? Talk me through your journey a little bit more. <laughs> As alumni, um, you experienced Marwin, but after that, what happened? Yeah, um, so I was part of you know what's now called that design to print program with the holiday cards and um, I remember because there's still some in stock. <laughs> um, I remember we were asked to write about what we want it to be and like what we saw our future as being. And I think I, I said that I wanted to be a biomedical engineer and part-time artist. Nice. This is, you know. It's a perfect combination. Seven, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. 17 years old. I, yes. That's what I <laughs> saw for myself. And the thing is, I knew that I always wanted to have a creative component to what I wanted to do or what I wanted to practice as a profession and a career path. I just didn't really know how to make that happen. I remember taking a class at Marwin that was around designing seating for like a restaurant. And that was what introduced me to product design because back then, I mean, there was, there were these very odd career surveys that you take and then it would output potential paths that you may be interested in. And I never really understood the algorithms or any of that. And so I just kind of tried to explore and it was taking that product design class. Oh, this is actually a combination of material science and art and design. And so from that point, I started to um, explore that as a path but I wasn't sure if I wanted to like major in product design or mechanical engineering because after participating in that class, we went to, we did a field trip actually to a product design firm. And so I learned all about the different roles that existed there. And in undergrad, I enrolled as undecided and I uh, took classes in mechanical engineering and I took classes in art and design. 
And the pattern for me was that I always fell asleep in my engineering class (laughs) and I stayed awake in art and design. So that was the path. So I um, submitted my portfolio to apply for the industrial design program uh, at U of I and the School of Art and Design. And then from there, that was kind of the journey that set me on my journey, which, you know, had so many through lines back to Marlon. But it was it was not a. very special formula. It was what kept me most engaged, uh, what, you know, really connected to my passion and what held my attention. Uh, and I feel like, you know, when you're thinking about those career paths, you, you want those things. Um, and sometimes it's not a matter of knowing exactly what you want, but knowing what you don't want. So that helps, you know, filter those ideas and options for you. Did you, um, just curious, uh, did you um, go on that field trip that Marwan used to go to um, take their students down to visit U of I? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I I did the like college tour down there, saw the design studios. Initially, as a high school student, I wanted to go away. Like I wanted to be much further away. I had hopes and dreams of I'm going to leave Illinois and not be in Chicago. And then scholarship forms came back and said, you are not going out of state with this tuition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that was kind of like the decision for me. And then once I knew that there were um, options that were closer to home, that were affordable for me and my family, then, you know, that kind of sealed the deal for me because I knew it was a great space. I'd been introduced to it through Marwan, great options there, and I knew I could pursue yeah, it's funny because I I took that trip as well, and I remember it was just a small handful of us back in the day. I think Wendy Sheridan, who was running the college program, yep. college career programs, took us, you know, rented a car and basically took three of us down there. Um, and my good friend Joe ended up going to U of I, but I just remember being so sad because I was so excited about the possibility of living in the dorms with him and kind of continuing our friendship and you know our artistic pursuit down at U of I. But I was just like, you know, my parents and my family never pursued this idea of college beyond the city, you know, <laughs> and, and I knew I was going to be stuck at home. Like I didn't really necessarily have the resources or the means to go away. So I ended up staying in Chicago and ended up at the Art Institute of Chicago, which was, you know, it was nice to have an art school. But I remember encountering this similar ideas, you know, like that initial foray into <laughs> what's going beyond Marwin started at Marwin. It was everything about the outside world was introduced to me through those workshops and those classes. I feel like this storytelling is on another level. (laughs) I'm learning so much about you too. But now that we are years later, what keeps you at Malwin, what keeps you here? Because I feel like you guys, your positions have evolved. You have had so many different positions at Malwin. And I'm just so curious to know what keeps you. Do you want to go first? Or I, you... I thought <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to go unless you. Okay, go ahead. We're, we're so gentle with one another. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, what keeps me is, you know, what brought me initially. I, I just wholeheartedly believe in the way in which Marwan provides access to uh, impeccable like arts education. And then you add that with this 
really deep sense of community. It's not just like a slight feeling. It's, it's really just part of what it means to be a participant. Like once you're a participant, you are a member of the community. Um, that is something that I'm really passionate about, just knowing that people have a place where they belong um, and they will always be seen, valued, heard, and supported is important, especially for young people. I think the connection, you know, to from artistic practice to post-secondary and career options and pathways, like all of that to me is the combination of like the secret sauce. People are like, you know, what's what's in the secret sauce? I just feel like all of those things are the things that keep me. Um, and just seeing how the organization continues to evolve and how the meaning just feels deeper. Um, it feels more expansive. Uh, more lives are being supported. More families are being supported. Especially when you think about like what we've all experienced this past now two years almost, to be able to create, be together, dream together, uh, craft what's next for yourself individually and collectively. I think it's, you know, what we all need and, and, and want in this world. It's, it's just all coming back to like what feels most important to me in the world. And, and a lot of that comes back to my one. I'm, I'm saying yeah, there's a really amazing sense of humanity, I think, in that community that Akila is talking about. And that's definitely what's kept me involved, you know, and, and of course, life throws all sorts of things your way. And, and even your, if you're immersely, immensely, you know, immersed in the, the organization or whatever space that you're surrounded by, it, it's easy, I think, for people who have experienced Marwin to always be drawn back. In, in my perspective, that educational mission and that sort of idea that, you know, the arts goes beyond, you know, how to get into the art school and how to, you know, survive as an artist, but it really is just about being in this community of human beings <laughs> and, and valuing that. Um, it has always been kind of the thing that's, that's uh, reminded me why it's really a remarkable thing to be a human being in this day and age and, and, to be doing what we're able to do. You know, I was never considering being a teacher until my foray into that through Marwin. And I was given my first teaching experiences, you know, through my involvement at Marwin. And it changed my life because I, first of all, opened up my willingness to share who I was and what I know and my skills as, as an artist and as a human being, as an individual. And it also just, you know, quite frankly, allowed me to, to be able to connect to people in a way that I didn't necessarily think was possible. And they gave me a, that chance. You know, it was, it was very sort of off the cuff where, like, I had been making these books. And Esther Grimm, the director of education at the time, I think I was, I was sort of known as the, the staff person who would, like, bring these sketchbooks in. And then whenever we needed an anniversary present or a birthday present, I would like make a handmade book for them. And she thought that I would make, uh, it would make for a great class. So they'd never offered it before. And she gave me this opportunity and I was nervous completely, you know, to, to an extreme because I didn't like the idea of presenting in front of people and speaking in front of people. But just that one little gesture, you know, of giving me that chance has opened up a completely new world for me. And as an artist, and as someone who, you know, tries to do that through my work, 
the works that I make, it, it created this whole other level of connectedness to people that I don't think would be would have been possible if I weren't given that chance. So I see it as a, an opportunity for a lot of these chances for all the, the young students who come in. Uh, they don't even really know what's what's coming their way, but they are given that opportunity to, to accept it if they're willing to try. And, and I see it happen all the time. Yeah. Regin, I love how humble you are. Your classes at Malwin are legendary. People oh, are they? <laughs> yes. I didn't know about that, but. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've heard people say, I took a class by with Regin before. So they are, you are a really exceptional teaching artist. And oh, you have also founded a, you know, organization that's based around book finding the North Branch projects. So to see yeah. that that line, that connection, again, starting from Malwin, being a staff member, doing books, teaching, and then now having an organization that's very much centered around that. I think it just yeah. shows the power. Thank you. I, you know, the thing about Marwin is that, you know, I, I could attribute everything that I, all my sort of <laughs> core values to the values that Marwin instilled in me. You know, obviously I had some things that were taught to me by my parents and my family, my upbringing, uh, that may, makes me who I am. But I think the, uh, again, the encouragement and support that was advocated through my experiences, Marwin, just amplified those values. And Akila, I think you'd probably agree, like at, at Marwin, you're just allowed to be the best person you could possibly be. So everything that I'm doing, like the reason why I did North Branch Projects is because of the sense of community that I learned from Marwin. You know, plus a couple of other things because it happened much later in my life when I was a lot older. But, you know, all of those things add up. And, and it was definitely central from a very young age to my development as an artist and as a, a contributor to the world, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, there are so many, they're the values that we hold and have nurtured, you know, from our, our families and our. Uh, lived experiences and our elders and, and all of those things, but then there are the ways in which it is brought to life in a different way when you step into an artistic youth-centered community um, that sees you so much more than many other spaces. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Reggie, you're speaking to kind of that notion of like confidence and like, I know that I can pursue this and do this. And a lot of that was, for me, was certainly fed and, and fertilized and nurtured uh, in, in Marwan and at Marwan because there was this level of respect and seeing young people as, as leaders, as artists. Like we, it was the first space where I was actually referred to as an artist and not as a child um, not as, you know, just a student, but like you were an artist and you were part of an exhibition and you were able to talk about your work and you were in these different spaces where you were the one speaking for your work, your experience, uh, your practice. It wasn't that someone else was speaking for yeah. you in that way. And even with that uh, cards program, I think at the time, a lot of the programs had a like an entrepreneurship title, I think it was. Yes. I think it was like entrepreneurship programs, but it was essentially like career pathway uh, yep. programs. And it was through that where I felt like, yes, I can actually be a freelance graphic designer, which is what I did throughout all of 
undergrad and grad school that helped, you know, financially support uh, those paths was, oh, well, I've done this design work. I've sold my work. I've been able to be part of these shows. So yes, I can actually do that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it was the first time that uh, those feelings were ever considered and then honed brought to like uh, fruition. And I think it happens a lot through I, I talked about this before, you know, but the, the idea of the critique, that was pretty new concept to me. And I think students in an art program that incorporate critique are, are very fortunate to be given this opportunity to have this very specific type of dialogue that's out of mutual respect for each other. I mean, sometimes it's, it doesn't always go that way, you know, especially once you get into like college and graduate school and such. But I think at Marwin, that was really where it started for me. It was like, huh, this is a strange concept. Someone is asking me to talk about my work, but they're also asking me to express how I feel about somebody else's work. And we're actually having this conversation where we, act, we have the floor open to that conversation. And this idea of being empathetic and giving other people a chance to speak so that your role is really to listen and to sort of process that could be used by the rest of this world, you know, in a a much more extensive way. And I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. values that could be learned in that type of setting. And I think to a young person, you know, I was completely intimidated by critiques because I was a very quiet individual who just did not like to say things. I was not outspoken at all. And so it was hard for me, you know, that was a skill that I had to acquire as well. That was a challenge that was presented on a regular basis at Marwin, um, just because I was enrolled in a class, like I knew the critique was coming, you know, like, I think a lot of our students know, like, oh, midterm, or at the end of each session, whatever, we're going to take a look at the work, and we're going to talk about it. And that's, that's super important. I mean, that in itself could be reflected in the rest of the world. And I think the place would be much better, like the world would be a much better place if we could take the time to reflect on the occurrences of the day, you know, the things that we've done, the things that we're putting out into the world and really see, you know, are there issues with this? Am I uh, hurting somebody because of what I'm putting out into the world? And, you know, just really understanding or beginning to understand how our actions affect other people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's so much, there's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, it's really important to have that space for critical thinking and empathy, but I also think it's important to reflect back and think about your experiences. And so one of the things I just really wanna highlight because I think this is so important is that both of you are people of color who are in leadership position at Malwin. Akela, you are the executive director. Bridget, you are on the board. And if you both could just take a minute to reflect about what that means to you to be in this position of power in a traditionally white space, right? The art industry is still very white and it's shifting, but I just love to talk more about that because I know within Malwin, our values are really centered around, you know, social and racial justice. And I would love to know how your experiences as an alum, as a teaching artist, as staff, Regin has impacted your views and um, how you kind of work as a board member. And for you, Akela, how your positions as a deputy director and, you know, executive director and alum has impacted your view as an executive director. I feel like we could spend the rest of the time talking oh. about this. This is a big one. 
know. Maybe give me the highlights. <laughs> I could continue it in part two. Yeah. Seriously, this could be like part two. I mean, we could go back and forth. I'll just mention that it means everything to me. I mean, I, I think it's at this day and age, uh, I've never been regarded in the kind of leadership role, or I should say throughout my history with Marwin, to be given a chance to teach, to be given a chance to be on the staff, and then ultimately, you know, come back on an advisory capacity and then be on the board. Uh, just the invitation by Akila, you know, to, to join and have my voice represented is profoundly moving and relevant in my life at this point for a lot of personal reasons, but mostly because mostly because I've never been in that position before, you know, like I've, everything in my world is kind of slow going in terms of that rise, whatever you want to call it in, in, in a kind of leadership capacity. And a lot of it, I think has to do with just me as my personality, but also just the opportunities that have been set up historically for people of color and, and are, Upbringing, and I'll I'll continue to that, but I'll give Akila a chance to say something about that. I appreciate the question, Victoria, and I appreciate the seeing uh, in the question. To one, like the fact that the majority of the young people who participate in my one programs are identified as people of color, so it's important for me as a black woman leading an organization. You know, I think that. There are certainly times when, as an alum of the program, we may feel like there can be elements of not wanting to be tokenized because you are an alum, because you are a person of color. Uh, you want to be sure that you're focused on the work of the organization. I um, recognize the importance of representation at all levels of an organization too, especially in spaces where you may not have seen uh, as many people of color in leadership positions. I think it's just important. I think that it not only helps with the conversations and the decisions about the work because you have more people of color, more diverse lived experience represented in those conversations, I feel like the decisions can be much more relevant to those who are participating in the program, but it also shows young people what is possible. I think, you know, a lot of what we were talking about earlier, seeing what's possible in practicing art, but there are always so many other opportunities and ways in which we can demonstrate and model what is possible. And so for a young person to see people of color in positions of leadership, that also shows them that it's possible for them to pursue that as a path and, and see that. I think that there's a lot of mentorship and allyship that happens in these different spaces. And I think that it's important to recognize the, the journey that's there. Like I, I still look, even though I'm in a position of leadership, I still look to be mentored and to be supported and to be advised. Um, I just think it's important, just like um, in thinking about the support that you may provide for other people. You know, I was once a board member as well. Like I stepped down, you know, from the board to step into a staff role, uh, realizing that alumni experience should be represented on the board. And that was, you know, part of the conversation. 
you know, that I had with, with Regin when inviting them to consider joining the board was, you know, you need the, the voice of an artist, the voice of an educator, an alum. And that's not to say it all has to be represented by one person. There can be more people with those identities and experiences. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You know, I think about generationally, you know, like what you were saying, Akila, about young students, young people seeing, just seeing them in the mix, you know, when they attend an event or come to class and see who's surrounding them. In my era, <laughs> my <laughs> era back in the day, it was, it was very much a white dominated space where very similar to a lot of the artistic institutions still today, you know, um, and I currently work at one. And there's a lot of change that still has to be done there. That shift is, is really long arc, right? And it's, it's going to take a while to, to make any real significant changes, but it, it is, I still see it. It's kind of a beginning point because the conversation has surpassed a certain threshold where I think it's becoming much more a common conversation and that if it's not part of the conversation, then you're very behind, you know, um, as a, an institution. So to, it's, it's very important to see it happening around you. And, and I think to Akila's point, it means the world to me to just be seen in that light when I walk into the space and there are students there, students who are POCs to see somebody on the board, to see somebody who is a teaching artist, to see someone as a mentor who is someone that looks like them. It's, it's, uh, it's as easy as that, but it goes a very long way and, and it makes a huge difference and impact in, in a young person's life. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's so important to see ourselves represented in leadership and teaching artists and just the world because we are diverse and, you know, institutions should be reflected in that way too. So thank you both for all that you do. And we are so honored. I am so honored really to work with you. And I know that sometimes it is a load to carry. So I just want to end with asking, what do you guys do to take care of yourselves? What do you do for self-care? Hmm. Notice the long pauses. <laughs> What's that? No. We don't think about that, right? Like, self-care. Hmm. <laughs> I have to say, you know, having conversations like this is part of it. It's part of the checking in with oneself, checking in with your community, checking in with your peer group, people who you respect and want around you. Uh, I mean, I could, I could be very specific physically. Like I, I, I'm a runner. So I, I, I guess I, I do a, a daily routine of running and then drawing, you know, to start the day. And I make sure that I'm taking care of my body physically by eating healthy and, and, and or trying to eat healthy as much as possible and doing what I know scientifically makes a difference <laughs> in terms of the physiological aspect of my, my body. But I think in terms of mental health and such, you know, I have conversations with people as much as possible. And I, I think it, it goes back to that idea of the critique and the sort of initial conversations that take place there where, you know, I always feel better at the end of a conversation when I'm having a critique with my students, I always feel better at the end having unleashed thoughts and ideas um, similar to uh, when I go out for a run, you know, you're, you're creating this, this circulation physically 
that affects you, impacts you psychologically. So staying active, moving around a lot, seeing people, keeping in touch with, with people you care about. It's all self-care to me. Yeah. I guess being with people uh, like I care about is certainly uh, part of, part of my care. I feel like whether it's a 10 minute call, you know, with a close friend um, when heading into to work or heading to do the thing, just to check in from the space of like, Hey, whether it's like, Hey, I'm not feeling great or Hey, I'm feeling very optimistic. And I'm, you know, sharing that energy. I mean, for me, that is really important to have community of folks that you just reach out to and, and check in with as part of your care. Cause what I find is like my care often helps someone else's care as well. Um, and so I, that's, that's one element of it. Um, the other piece is just trying to rest. I feel like there's so much energy around like, what's next? What's to do? What do you have to do? Like, what do you, where do you have to make progress? What do you have to check off the list? And I'm trying to focus on being much more mindful around pauses, uh, pa- whether it's, I can't, I'm not going to say I want to take a nap or I need to sleep, but just pausing, like just shutting it down for five minutes to just catch up with your breathing, to catch up with like your posture, to catch up with your emotions of whatever you may just need to process or release. Because I may not have large chunks of time. I have two very active toddlers who monopolize a lot of my time. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think that those moments of pause are just so important. And more recently, I've picked up my uh, painting practice again. And that has felt like so much, so much joy and care that I didn't realize. I like I knew I needed, it, but it wasn't until like the the actual paint was applied to the canvas that I just started to feel um, that deep sense of gratitude that I gave myself that time to do it. And that to me is is important self care. Amazing the the therapy that art brings, isn't it? It's just like yeah, yeah, that sensation of pushing paint through the brush or yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you're inspiring me, Caleb, because I haven't painted it probably over a year now. And I need, I keep telling myself I need to get back into it. I need to get back into it, but I don't give myself that time. And so I just need to do it because I know once I paint, it will just like give me so much relief and joy, but getting there is the hard part. So I think I just need to jump in and do it. Well, when you think about it, that painting is this very concentrated breathing exercise, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you talk about breath and breathing, Akilah, I think it's executed instantaneously when you start to pick up a brush or, you know, start mm-hmm. to draw or whatever, or, you know, whatever the craft yeah. is. And then that's a slowing down of the time and, and the rest that you talk about. Yeah. That's much needed. Yes. Thank you both for this conversation. I feel like I learned yeah. so much about you and I know people listening will also just get so much out of this conversation. Um, do you guys want to end on any notes, any ways that anything you want to bring up that maybe I didn't say, or just a goodbye to the people? (laughs) There's so much to say. I I don't have anything specific except that I, 
you know, obviously I, I, I have a love and devotion to Marwan and I just want to make sure that the students know that there are people in the community who are willing to share that level of passion with them and, and whether they're going to be an artist or not, that, you know, that there is a community for them that they do belong. Yeah. And, and I would, I would also say, you know, it's important. The work that we're doing is so important. Uh, the work, the young people are so important. You know, one thing that we didn't mention was that all of our programs are at no cost, at no cost. And that is incredible. I mean, when you really talk about all of the things that we mentioned that provide opportunities for young people, that center young people, access to paths, expansion of possibilities, you know, realized, seen and unseen, and that it is free? Are you kidding me? Like, that is incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. And I just, I think that, you know, that signifies the reason why our values are the values that we hold and it underscores that. And I just, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for what is continuously possible uh, for Marwin. I, I feel like I'm in a position of privilege. So I'm like honored to be in this space. I'm always learning. I'm always curious, always and growing. I feel like the, the expectations and values that we hold and ways in which we want young people to experience. Marwin is, you know, the same way that I want everyone to experience Marwin on staff, on the board, the families, teaching artists, supporters, et cetera. Uh, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just in a place of gratitude and excitement uh, for all that, that we have done already and all that we'll continue to do. So thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you both. This was so much fun. And I'm lucky enough to see you at Malwin, but I will talk to you guys again soon. And on a note of gratitude, thank you for everyone listening to. Thank all you right. all. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Victoria. Take thank care. you, Victoria. Of course. Bye. In the Studio with Teaching Artists podcast gives an insider's look into Malwin's community. The podcast highlights Malwin's core values and commitment to creative youth development. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Malwin Arts to share your favorite part of the episode. Also, exciting news! Online registration will be open January 26th through February 2nd for Malwin Spring Term. Whether you like to doodle during class, take photos on your phone, alter your clothes, or you already have experience in creating different types of art, Malwin has something for you. Malwin's no-cost programs exist for young artists in Chicago in 6th through 12th grade who want to explore visual arts and discover new pathways. To learn more, go to www.malwin.org.